You're listening to Legal Skinny Podcast with Trisha Burita. I'm a 15-year licensed practicing attorney in the state of Texas. I created Legal Skinny because when I've been invited to do educational seminars on different subjects in employment law, employers and HR professionals would often ask me, where can they find out a little more information on this or a little more information on that? Look, I get it. There's a lot of resources out there, but sometimes it's confusing and people are so busy. Sometimes people have only 30 or 15 or maybe even five minutes in their day to devote to learning something new. On this podcast, you'll hear me have discussions and interviews on topics relevant to employers. Disclaimer though, Legal Skinny is for entertainment and informational purposes only, not meant to provide legal advice and doesn't create an attorney-client relationship. Also remember, laws change or they differ by jurisdiction. So this is not a substitute for seeking legal counsel in your jurisdiction on the current law applicable to you. Hello, friends. Welcome back to the Legal Skinny Podcast. Virtual interviewing. It's gotten a bad rap for more than a number of reasons. But more than anything else, I think it is that it's often looked at as the less beloved sibling of the adored and often sought after in-person interview. I mean, if you were to place the in-person interview and the virtual interview side by side, it's the in-person interview that gets treated like the Oscars and the virtual interview is treated more like the Golden Globes. Think about it. Usually, uh, as a candidate, um, there's maybe a phone interview that you participate in and then possibly a virtual interview. And if you make the cut, an in-person interview. And for over-enthusiastic interviewers, multiple in-person interviews. <laughs> now, this, of course, is not the case with all jobs, you know, uh, depending on industry. And, you know, for some workforces, um, you know, it's always all in person or the job is maybe already remote. So the in-person interview, you know, may not even be a thing. But I think it's a worthy debate for today to discuss whether the adored in-person interview lives up to the hype and pedestal it has been placed on. Or is it just what we are comfortable with? In truth, in my brief research of the origins of the word interview, the idea of the interview being, quote, in person, well, that thought and meaning has been around longer than the virtual idea. No big surprise. In the early 1500s, the word interview was thought of as the face-to-face -face meeting, the formal conference. From French, uh, the word entrevue, or even back to French origin of the word voix, and its Latin root, uh, which both of them mean to see. I want to start by mentioning a study out of DeGroote School of Business at McMaster University in Ontario. The study was conducted by Greg Sears and Haiyan Zhang when they were PhD students at DeGroote and co-authored by Associate Professor Willie Wisner. In their study, uh, they, they had simulated job interviews. And uh, in the simulated job interviews, uh, candidates who were interviewed by video were rated lower by interviewers and were less likely to be recommended for hiring. Interestingly enough, apparently the candidates rated their interviewers uh, that were also on video as less attractive, uh, less personable, less trustworthy, and less competent. Ouch. 
my thoughts on this study are that, you know, there is something about the in-person connection. Body language and eye contact through a screen, even the tone of voice is just experienced differently through technology than in person. But I can honestly say that, you know, I've had many friends um, that I've made over the last year or so, and, you know, in before, that I had a very genuine connection with and had never met in person before we had created that connection. And it was all virtual, um, you know, whether they be colleagues in other states or, you know, um, even farther away. Now, although I, I will agree that in certain situations, the connection to get to that point, you know, it does feel like it takes a little longer in the virtual world sometimes than in person. So, you know, why even have the virtual interview? You know, while it may or may not take main stage all the time, there's a hype about it, right? And the new, uh, more edgy thought, uh, possible modern quality to it, right? So what is all the fuss about? Let's talk about it. First, the virtual interview is thought to generally save time for both parties. Uh, you can pack them in like sardines. No, I'm just kidding. But seriously, you can conduct the interviews at a little bit faster pace and you can allow for flexibility if one of the interviewers needs to be in a different location, which leads to less cancellations and scheduling conflicts. And, you know, the more people participating on the company side or possibly more people can participate uh, when you do it virtually um, because it's a little easier to judge those different schedules, right? If someone's going to a meeting or coming from a meeting, you know, it may be easier to handle that in the virtual context. The more people that you need in that interview too, uh, it's just a logistical nightmare sometimes with all the busy people to try to, to work around the different schedules. And, you know, the virtual interview gives you sort of, um, a little bit more, I think, or maybe even more than a little bit, flexibility in that regard. In person, you know, well, there's that uh, so-and-so is running late and this person needs to check on that and we'll be right back. And, uh, you know, um, see, if an in-person, in an in-person interview, if someone cancels, you know, one of the candidates or they're late, you know, you can try to get a hold of a different person later to, to come in earlier, but it's much more easy to move those around virtually than those that are doing the in-person where you'd have to account for travel time and other things in order for that person to be there. Second, I think, you know, it expands the candidate pool. You know, in talent acquisition, the pool of candidates, it's everything. So the use of the virtual interview gives you access immediately in a broader sense to two types of people. Those outside the current geographic area that you normally look, and great candidates that are already working for someone else. You know, those candidates that maybe had, you know, feel somewhat okay in the position that they're currently in and the company that they're currently working for, and probably wouldn't take off a whole afternoon to drive over and have an in person interview, you know, to consider another option. But removing a commute to the interview spot, well, that might entice them to find the 30 minutes or so to consider there are other options out there or even allow for, you know, potentially regular, um, you know, after work 
hours types of interviews with this virtual option. Not that I'm encouraging poaching, but I know some of you are out there doing it anyway. Plus, if you aren't weighed down with flying in candidates and paying for travel costs, then you can expand the scale at which you choose to interview out-of-town potential talent. Uh, They can get to see what you're like and you get to see what, uh, what they're like, right? In reality, though, you know, you always have to think it may also limit the the pool of candidates doing the virtual interview and because, you know, some may not have access to that technology to conduct an in-person interview or they may not have the skills to do so. And that's all something you really need to consider as a whole when deciding whether it's right for your company, especially in certain positions. And third, Virtual communication and the virtual interview, it's its not something that comes natural to all, you know, but maybe <laughs> needed in the times we live in, such as our experience with the COVID-19 pandemic. So virtual interviewing may be something you want to have familiarity with doing and have management and HR that are comfortable with running a stream of interviews in this way. For instance, there's, uh, you know, Things that occur uh, in virtual interviews that don't normally occur to in-person interview that are quirky, you know, inappropriate things that uh, like, you know, the interviewers um, fidgeting because they see themselves on the video. And and when you're, you know, not doing a lot of virtual, um, it can be apparent that the person is focusing on themselves in the video. So that's one thing that, you know, if, if it is a part of your regular to do to have this as a piece um, throughout your onboarding or, or interview process, then it does, you know, make everyone get a little bit more used to being on camera and, and participating in this virtual atmosphere. Also individuals trying to fix their hair, you know, or peeking at their phone, you know, now, Some would also say that the virtual in-home interview uh, that's happened quite a bit over the last year and a half, and, you know, it's changed since COVID-19, allowing like almost a, you know, human element to it, you know, with anything from animals and doorbells ringing and children, you know, accidentally running in the background. Uh, It's, we've all seen it, and especially the newscasters that have had some pretty interesting um, things happen to them on air live. You know, it's a... But in the virtual in-home interview, you know, it's different for sure. And maybe it's not all that bad. You know, it's a different connection and understanding maybe that we're all just, you know, human trying to survive the struggles of being working people with real lives. The fourth maybe uh, thought on virtual interview would be, um, and a positive, would be the relief of stress. Yeah, I mean... The possible elimination of stress for the interview candidates that come with in-person interviews. So just sitting in the lobby or wherever you are with your competition or that stress that, you know, candidates may have to get to the location. That's a a foreign location or, or, you know, place that they haven't been before. And so, you know, they stress getting there and they arrive super early. You know, when you eliminate that stress, you may get a, you know, a more comfortable candidate that's ready to engage with you, that can, you know, log on five minutes early and feel like, okay, you know, the issue of whether or not I'm going to make it on time isn't going to be something I'm going to have to worry about. 
in both of these settings, virtual or not, you know, you're still going to be faced with, of course, the legal issues with interviews, you know, avoiding uh, the inappropriate questions, delving into inappropriate questions related to disability, sex, race, religion, genetics, age, national origin, et cetera, et cetera. You know, don't let that virtual interview or any relaxed part of it change the formality and legality of it all. I also think there's a bit of an art to interviewing. If you've ever heard me discuss this topic surrounding interviews, well, you may have heard me mention my personal experience in law school where I had my first official round of interviews for summer clerkship uh, in my early 20s. The interviews, you know, uh, in, in, in that part of law school, it's really your first uh, interview opportunity to be interviewed um, for that, that summer right after your first year. The, the interviews are often, not always, but often conducted by a senior level attorney from a firm if you're interviewing with firms. And then sometimes an associate tags along or another attorney tags along with that, that senior level attorney. And I'm talking about those interviews right after the first semester in law school. So really, you know, even though it's for the summer, you're, it's, you've only been in law school <laughs> for a few months. Um, and it's the first time for the law firms to interview this sort of new pool of fresh candidates. And um, anyway, in this in this one particular interview that I was in, I was asked if I could be a tree. Uh, what kind of tree would I be? Now, you might be thinking, that's a great interview question. Or you might be thinking, that's a stupid interview question. <laughs> well, uh, being that it was one of my first interviews for a professional job, uh, that would be what I thought possibly, you know, uh, who knows, the beginning of my career as an attorney. Hmm. Uh, I was thinking in that moment, well, uh, probably rush of thoughts at how much my dad loves trees because he does. Uh, all the different trees that my dad talked to me about when I was a kid. And, you know, and in part, uh, what the heck does a tree have to do with law school or being a lawyer? So uh, that was all kind of running through my head when I got asked that question. And, um, you know, an old school thought is uh, in, in interviewing is to use things like these types of interview questions to throw the interviewee uh, off their game and see how they respond. Perfectly acceptable, uh, this sort of old school thought of interviewing, I think, as a way to weed out the weak and, you know, find your diamond in the rough. Um, maybe maybe a more modern view of this line of questioning maybe would be that this is some type of power play or a power trip, you know, that the interviewer is enjoying the exercise of power, um, that they wield over someone in an interview, um, uh, over an individual who's clearly interested and possibly desperately wanting to succeed in the interview. Uh, in my in my case, the jokes on on them at that time because in that moment I was I was already greatly intimidated by being interviewed, so they probably didn't need the the tree question to challenge me or throw me off my game. You're you know you're talking about I, I was like a 21, 22 year old with like little to I don't know no life experience and uh, definitely zero professional business experience. So I I was so green I didn't even know what green meant. So I'm not sure I had any game to begin with, and I, I was just basically excited to be there, right? To be invited to be in the interview. So, um, but looking back though, I have two thoughts I'll pass along about what happened in, in that interview for me. We'll call it the tree interview. First, have a consistent plan of how you'll be approaching each interview because it matters both from a legal perspective so that everyone has a similar opportunity and you're not creating an environment that would appear discriminatory. 
And the two interviewees that asked me about the tree, they didn't appear to have a plan for questions. You know, it wasn't like they had a list of questions in front of them. You know, possibly this is how they the tree question came about. I don't know. Uh, second, you know, be careful how you use your power in an interview and who, if it's on behalf of your company, who you give that power to. See, the part of the tree story interview I didn't tell you was what the, the two interviewers were very young and were only associates at their firm, possibly only several years older than me at the time, you know, maybe a year or two out of, of law school themselves. Mid-20s, right? And they admitted the senior attorney couldn't make it that day because something came up. Maybe the tree question was part of the plan with that firm. Who knows? And I know they asked all the other candidates about trees because, well, law students talk. After experiencing over, you know, half a, a dozen other interviews from other firms after the after the tree interview, um, let's just say there were no other tree questions. <laughs> and after uh, having some enjoyable and professional experiences in the other interviews, uh, the the tree interview. <laughs> left an impression not, not just on me, but other law students about that particular firm. Probably not the impression you would like. It, it probably was not particularly helpful that nothing in the rest of the tree interview with that particular firm asked about my interest of the you know, in the practice of law, um, my submitted writing sample to them, you know, my research skills, anything remotely related to work at my potential job for them, or, uh, you know, my bachelor's degree in psychology or minor in writing or any other skill sets, you know, uh, that I had listed on my resume or um, had in my experience uh, working. And guess what happens to law students? Well, they grow up to be lawyers and colleagues. And while it's not as big of a world as you might think, just as in many other industries, remember that the person in front of you for an interview may not work for you but they may work for your competitor or even your customer someday. Or in the case of a lawyer, they may become a judge someday. So yield the power of an interview carefully. At least that's what I always say. Be kind. And if you wanna ask what tree they wanna be, look, have at it. But do it because the answer really matters. And consider have, having something to say to the interviewee about such a question and that shows the depth of why it's meaningful to you or to the company culture. And, you know, while you may think you are doing the interview, sometimes the interviewee is interviewing you and the company as well. And even if they're not the right fit, it doesn't mean you can't leave a positive impression of what your company is and what they are about in every person you interview, whether virtual or in person. In short, I hope this gives you something to think on about the benefits or lack of benefits of the virtual and in-person interview and just the interview process in general. And whether you leave this thinking, yeah, Trisha, I still love and prefer that in-person interview, I, I would hope you'll challenge yourself to see how both of these interview types could be good for the toolbox. As always, I have lots more thoughts on interviews, but for now, I'll leave you with that. And that's the legal skinny on the virtual interview versus in-person interview.
Thanks for joining us on this episode of the Legal Skinny Podcast. Do not forget to subscribe to get future podcast episodes. Also check out LegalSkinny.com to join our newsletter and get details on all the educational resources we offer the employer. Also, disclaimer, remember Legal Skinny is for entertainment and informational purposes only, not meant to provide legal advice and does not create an attorney-client relationship. Laws change or they differ by jurisdiction. So also remember, this is not a substitute for seeking legal counsel in your jurisdiction on the current law applicable to you.